and welcome to Going Blind Sucks. I am your host, Destiny Adato, and with me, as always, is my wonderful wife and co-host, Joy Masters. Hello. Thank I, you for calling me wonderful. Yeah, well, that's what you are. Thanks. Um, and I apologize. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but the uh, the heating in our apartment is going off. It's uh, radiator style. So, uh, you know, if you if you hear a hiss in the background, we apologize. But this was the window that we had to record this, and we didn't want to wait until it stopped. Because <laughs> you never know. Hissing. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, you know, why worry about background noise in a podcast dedicated to mostly people who are visually impaired and therefore can probably hear better? Um, you know, it won't be maddening at all. Right. Uh, anyway. Uh, Basically, turn down your spidey sense. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so this week, I thought we'd try something a little bit different. Uh, we've hit on some of these things in the past, but I kind of wanted to, you know, we have a bunch of heavy episodes where we talk about, you know... Um, Misery and despair and all that. Um, uh, and I know we have a lot of <laughs> listeners who um, are supporters of folks who uh, who are visually impaired. So I thought this week uh, I would go through a list of some of the things that like uh, people will ask, like, what can I do to help? How can I, you know, uh, make it easier for you? Uh, and I thought, hey, I'll do. Let's do an episode on on that. Uh, what what would just sort of generally make it easier and maybe like. If you have a hard time uh, explaining that to folks, uh, you can just be like, hey, listen to this episode, um, <laughs> and then maybe that will help them. Uh, keeping in mind that all of these things, uh, th- like this isn't the end-all, be-all list of things that would be helpful, but it is a start, uh, and it is uh, based on sort of my experience uh, versus, you know, it might not be uh, everybody else's deal. Uh, this is me, uh, you know, at nine degrees in each eye, using a cane, wandering around uh, the city. Um, so I put together a list, and I broke it up into categories. Um, categories just being, uh, like, general, um, <laughs> around the home, uh, traveling, um, and the last category, kids and dogs. Oh. So um, starting off in the general category, um, if you're walking with somebody like myself, uh, uh, the best way I've found um, to walk is, uh, if at all humanly possible, to my left and about a foot forward uh, is the best scenario. Or, you know, for you and I, um, we'll usually hold hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're wondering why that is the best position to be in. Yes, that was going to be my question. Uh, it's because the right hand is where I hold the cane. Uh, and as I'm swinging it back and forth, um, the majority of what I'm doing is swinging it to the outside of my step. And then to the inside of my step. Um, so if you um, are on the uh, if you're on the right of me, then I'm probably going to be swinging it in front of you uh, in a way that w- I will be conscious, <laughs> self-conscious of. Uh, so I'll swing it in a shorter distance than I would want to, uh, and then it'll be very frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you are uh, on my left, then I'm swinging it like I'm not going to swing it really in front of where you are. I'm going to, you know. Uh, air to the right to begin with because I generally air to the right. So it's far less upsetting for me um, if a person is on the left. And why a little bit in front of you? Um, so that I can see you because okay. if you are uh, if you are shoulder to shoulder with me, um, then you might disappear. Well, you will di- like I can't see you out of the any version of the corner of my eye. Okay. But if you're like a foot ahead, then um, then I know that you're there, which is a preferred scenario. If we're going to constantly nonstop be talking, then great. Um, but uh, otherwise, just be a little bit far ahead. Uh, and if we're walking in a pack, 
as much as it is uh, the blind leading the blind, let me go in front. Uh, and not exclusively in front, but let me go in the front, uh, in the general front of the pack. Now, I might not know where we're going, um, but having people in front of me that are walking at like varying speeds ahead of me um, is going to make it really super frustrating uh, because then I end up pulling the cane back a little bit and not really using it. Um, and then I'm so focused on like the back of the person in front of me that I really stop being able to pay attention to anything other than their shoulders. Okay. So um, generally if it's a group of like five or six people and you're going to break into, you know, uh, twos, yeah, twos or threes, um, uh, let the person with the cane be in the front. Uh, Cause it's, you're that much more self-conscious of people uh, when you know them, you don't want to like hit them in the back of the in the back of the shoes with your cane, so you end up pulling it back to a point where it's almost useless. Okay. Um, so anyway, so there's that one. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, this other one might not sound um, like a intuitive thing, um, but let's say you're out at a party or you have you know you're with a bunch of folks, uh, maybe at a bar, something along those lines, and you're having a conversation. Um, it's natural in a conversation, it's natural in those situations to periodically, like, wander off for a moment. Um, uh, what I think uh, people don't always realize is, um, especially in those situations, uh, I am relying on faith that you are still there if you have stopped talking for a moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I've had many situations where I have been talking to a person who had gone to go get something or <laughs> oh, no. left to the gone to the bathroom or somebody else arrived and they went to go greet them or whatever. Uh, so if you, if you find yourself in that situation, um, say, Hey, I'm going to go do something like, you know, uh, and I know it's awkward. Uh, it's an awkward thing because people just generally like when they finished the thing that they're saying, will go do something. And I'm not saying that people are trying to get away from me. Uh, I hope they're not, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, be conscious of the fact that like, um, I might not know that you left. Okay. Uh, like maybe just touch your arm and say, hey, I'll be right back or I got to step away. Yeah. Um, because, you know, because uh, it creates it creates weird, uncomfortable situations okay. <laughs> if you don't do that. Um, number three. Um, uh, oh, um, and this is one of those things that like, there's nothing specifically here um, that I can point to, but it's something to watch out for. Uh, and it's the concept of going on tilt. Um, what does that mean? Uh, in, in a, uh, like, let's just say in a baseball sense. We'll go for a baseball metaphor here. Um, you're going along just fine. Everything's great. Um, uh, you're like that second baseman Chuck Knobloch from the Yankees that I probably told the story about before. But if I haven't, uh, there was a second baseman named Chuck Knobloch for the Yankees. Um, and he missed a throw to second base and then got all in his head and then couldn't throw or missed throw to first base and then couldn't throw to first base like for like half a season because wow. he like because his brain just like broke. OK. About that throw. Um, and it was particularly famous, funny because uh, Keith Oberman, who was uh, one of the uh, one of the high-profile um, reporters on uh, ESPN or anchors on ESPN at the time, um, his mother was sitting in the seat that was right across first base. Um, 
So when Chuck Knobloch missed the throw to first base, he hit Keith Oberman's mom in the face. Ooh. And then Keith Oberman had to report on the fact that Chuck Knobloch had hit his mother in the face with a baseball, which is always kind of a fun, ridiculous thing to report on. Was she okay? Yeah, she was fine. Okay. But, you know, it's never a good time to get hit in the face with a baseball. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so, uh, point is, that's going on tilt. That's sort of like um, getting angry and frustrated over something and then not being able to solve it. Okay. Um, uh, and it, you know, there's very diversions of, of that across the board, uh, for various things. And for me, um, something as simple as not knowing where the glass that I had put down previously, uh, can full on put me on tilt. Um, because it just sort of like, it breaks the, uh, the facade of everything is okay. Because so much of the time, like, especially when you're at home, um, you're trying to like pretend like like you're normal, like you're you're everybody else, um, and then certain things will sort of break into that that will kind of uh, mess with your brain and and something like knocking over a glass or um, knowing that you just put a fork down and then not knowing where the hell that fork went um, and then seemingly looking everywhere for it and having it not be there uh, is the type of thing that like. Um, would not appear to an outside person as something that would throw you over the edge very quickly. Uh, but it does throw you over the edge very quickly. Well, is there a way to once, once you get, go into full tilt to get out of full tilt? Uh, not that I have found. Maybe somebody listening could offer suggestions for them. Cause I'm sure that happens yeah. to a lot of people. I mean, it also sounds like something when I was going to say normal people, but sighted people, well, anybody, a yeah. human being, will get sort of um, frustrated. Yeah. And, and it sort of clicks over in their head where they're just like, all they see is red. Yeah, and, and it's like that. And they're, um, uh, the one that I had written down here specifically, because uh, it's one of those things that's happened a few times, is um, something very innocuous where uh, where you'll like come to me like, hey, do I look okay in these pants? And um, no ill intent is there, you're just like, hey, do I look good in these pants? Because you're the only other human being here. And <laughs> there's no way for me to tell based on the angles that I can see. Um, and very frequently, partially because the lights keep going out in our goddamn living room. <laughs> uh, it doesn't help. Uh, the room is dark, or if it's during the day, uh, <laughs> and the sun is like overpowering the light in the room or whatever, uh, I won't be able to see it. And um, I want to help you. And I want to be there, and it's such a simple request, and I can't, and it it sends me into tilt. It sends me into this frustrating, like frustration that I can't seem to get out of. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason I bring it up is because those are things that aren't really um, solvable or even really noticeable from a person who's not uh, who's not experiencing it at that moment. Um, but it's something to kind of like look out for uh, and know that sometimes something that simple um, can put a person into sort of a panic mode uh, and that you just kind of have to like, uh, that, it, that it's an innocuous event with a serious impact. Okay. So, so we uh, can't avoid those though. You can't. Uh, I think those things are just going to happen. Um, but maybe it's worth, and maybe it's worth for us trying to figure out like 
how do I indicate I am in, you know, I'm in that situation right now and I'm going to need about like 15 minutes to half an hour to get my heart back at the speed that it's supposed to be. Okay. Like going at, um, because I, I guess it's impossible to kind of like know that it's coming. Um, like so should, anyway, should we have like a, a code word? Like, yes. Monkey banana or <laughs> I don't know, something silly um, that will help alleviate. Yeah. Um, you know, the first thing that came to my mind, because I've been listening to the uh, soundtrack to Hamilton a lot, uh, which I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. I may have mentioned in a previous episode, I don't know, but I highly recommend it if you have not listened to it. And I would say go see it, but you you don't have a million dollars. You're not yeah. going to be able to go see it. Uh, enter the lottery. You have a one or a two in 10,000 chance of winning. Wow. Um, which is why it's a lottery. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I've met at least two people that have won. Oh, so, cool. So uh, what, was, what were you thinking? Um, that, uh, during, I think it was the, uh, battle of Yorktown, uh, to, uh, they had a, they had a code word, uh, to make sure people knew that they were on the same side because, you know, obviously in that time, like you didn't, there was no way to indicate whether or not a person supported the British, uh, or supported the, the rebels. Uh, uh, and that word was Rochambeau. Rochambeau? Yeah. Do you know what that is? Uh, I used to, but I don't remember what it is. Okay. Um, but uh, Rochambeau. Yeah. Uh, which is, I can tell from the way you're responding, a word that you will never remember. <laughs> the, the, I, I pictured, I fast forwarded into the future and I pictured me asking you, are these pants okay on me? And you go in Rochambeau. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And then we get into a little fight. Right. Um, <laughs> it's good that I could see from an instant look that like <laughs> that's, that that's what gonna, was going to happen. Yes. So we'll think of a word that's not Rochambeau. Well, now that we've said it so many times, maybe, maybe oh. I won't remember. Okay, we'll get two. Like, <laughs> okay. So uh, if I say a version boat, and you're like, what? And then I'm like, pineapple. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, <laughs> no so, problem. That's easy peasy. Um, yeah, I'm going to get a version boat as soon as this is, this is done. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, What's next? Uh, we're moving out of the category of, uh, of general into in the home. Uh, uh, and this one is uh, about the kitchen. Um, the uh, whenever you see like a you know like a crazy animal like a bear or some shit, uh, people will always be like, "Well, don't worry, like the bear's more afraid of you than you are of it." And you're like, "That's that's not true." I don't think that's true. Um, uh, In the moment, right. the, the amount of fear that you have, it's probably hard to believe that something else is more afraid than you are at that moment. Right. And you're like, that bear is wrong because that bear could kill me. Um, uh, in the kitchen, the visually impaired person is far more afraid of you than you are of them. Um, which is why, like, generally, um, I, I recommend a three to four foot radius uh, around a person uh, when they're in the kitchen. And I know it's very hard for us because we have a very narrow kitchen. Yes. Um, but uh, what what ends up happening is like if you're cooking or, or something along those lines and or or worst case scenario you have a knife um, if another person comes into the room for, at least for me I don't know if this is true or like all I could picture is me accidentally stabbing them and then going to prison for the rest of my life and being like no I just didn't know that they were there. Like like likely story Mr. Diodato. Right. Um, so it becomes a, a situation where you like get paralyzed because you're like, okay, if I move, I'm going to hurt them or me, more likely them. Uh, 
so I will just stand perfectly still. And the other person doesn't know that you're doing that. You know, they're like, it's fine. I'm like three feet away. Like, uh, you're not going to hurt me. Uh, but all I can visualize is that I'm going to hurt you, is that I'm going to spill the hot water from the pasta or I'm going to accidentally stab you with a, you know, the knife from the food. Um, so, uh, so for me, I know that like if I'm in the kitchen, I generally want to have like significantly more communication about like, here's where I'm going. Here's what you're going to do. And you know what I mean? Sure. Like, um, because it's very difficult to just sort of feel it out. I'm, I usually do that. I usually say, Hey, I'm coming up behind you. Yeah. Cause if we, we, I mean, sometimes I let you just finish what you need to do before I do my thing. But if we want to eat together, that's not usually feasible. Yeah. So <clears throat> I usually say, hey, coming up behind you when I touch you to let you know I'm there. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's a very narrow kitchen, so we can't always have three feet away. But we could also say clear, you know, like. Yeah. I'm I'm at least three feet away from you. You've got your, your radius that you were asking for. Yeah. And, and maybe it's worth us trying to figure out a way to sort of like, if I know that like to your like if I know that I have like two more minutes worth of like um, stuff where I feel like danger is afoot, um, <laughs> then just be like, hey, just give me you know two minutes and then it's all yours sure. kind of situation. Um, uh, because it always feels like it's like that I'm like I have the kitchen to myself until that like crucial minute where I need to move this thing from this area to this thing that you're like, hey, like let me come in and hang out. I'm like, you don't mean that. Like uh, you don't notice it, you know. Um, and there are 99% of the time where that doesn't happen, but I, well, my brain only registers the 1% of the time where you're like, Hey, I'm coming to visit during the time that you're moving the hot thing from the stove to the sink. Um, and it, you know, uh, it breaks my brain pretty, pretty hard. Rochambeau. Rochambeau. Uh, um, I almost forgot it. Yep. Um, I was going to say Roche Motel. Uh, uh, this one should be obvious, I think, to most folks. But I figured it was worth mentioning uh, in the in the event that you are not paying a ton of attention. Uh, leave a clear path from one room to another. Like leave a clear path in every room um, that you hold as as sacred um, that doesn't ever change. And if you are going to change it, then it's a group decision. Then mm-hmm. everybody gets in a room together and decides that that's what's going to happen. Um, because that's sort of what's kept me from seriously hurting myself uh, in our apartment. Because there's so much of the time that um, that I just walk on straight up faith. Um, and it's the fact that we're like, okay, don't put shoes here. Or don't put your bag down here. Like we have very clear places that, um, that we do that with. And the majority of times that I've fallen in the apartment is when I specifically violated that rule. Yes, I have noticed that a lot. Usually your shoes. Yeah. Uh, it's either my shoes or uh, one thing you haven't seen that I do frequently uh, is when I'm traveling, um, I'll have my suitcase out and I'm like planning what I'm going to do. And I put it in a place that I think I'll remember it. And then I full on fall over it. Oh, no. Um, um, usually in the exact same place in the middle of the living room where I'm like, okay, I'll put my coat here and I'll put my luggage here while I put on my coat. And then as soon as I put on my coat, I go to look for the luggage, which I think I put somewhere else and then fall over it. Um, wow. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> you are your own worst enemy. Yes, I am. Uh, point being though, um, like, uh, create that path in every room mm-hmm. that you're not going to, to mess with. Um, and then 
people will know to sort of stick to that path. Well, I think too, it, it's good to know, to let guests know, because I know <clears throat> most people know to leave the hallway open. And I usually keep my shoes next to the door, which is in the hallway, but it's up, up against the wall. Yeah. And I noticed when we had people over for the Super Bowl, they were trying to keep it up against the wall too, the ones that took off their shoes, but they were yeah. still sticking out. And so I immediately moved them. Yeah. But I think it's good to, to let people know because they thought that their shoes were out of the way and they didn't realize that it was just, I mean, it was really only a few inches into the safety zone, but I knew that it would be a problem for right. you. So I moved them. Right. You almost want to create like a yellow brick road type situation. <laughs> of just being like, nothing goes on this. Yeah. Like a really bright line. Yeah. We could spray paint. We could yeah. spray paint the area. Yeah. That won't make our permit look cheap. Cheap and awful. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, well, maybe I mean, it's only, it's yeah. only occasionally. Right. Uh, I mean, I wonder if like you could, you know, if you had like infinite money, you could bring in like a designer who could create like a multicolored floor. And then like there was just a note on the front door that said like, keep everything off the gray part of the floor or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, you know? it's possible. Um, but yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's one of the things that you sort of establish. And um, uh, we're we're considering actually changing apartments um, in the not distant future. We're potentially going to buy a place. Yes. Um I think we mentioned that in the last episode. Um, and there's definitely a part of me that's like, oh, no, I'm going to need to learn all those paths again. <laughs> like, you know, uh, and there's less hallway there than there is in this apartment. But there was definitely like, OK, it's going to take me like, you know, a few months to sort of reestablish that, like, this is the clear path right. that I can go, <laughs> you know. Um, but going back to the kitchen thing, yeah. the kitchen in the new place will be better because it's not a like a long, narrow, sort of railroad kind of kitchen. It's more open square kind of thing. Yeah. And so you actually might be able to get your three feet radius all the way around. Yeah. That will be that shall be wonderful. Yes. Uh, Very excited. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, moving on to the next thing. Um, uh, lights. Um, Joy always laughs when she comes home and I've been home alone uh, because every light in the house <laughs> is on. <laughs> Um, and that's okay. Let all the, all the lights on the house be on. Um, uh, but you haven't been in the bedroom for seven hours. I don't think the light needs right, to be on. But, but I'm going to go in there and I'm going to want it to be on. And then you can turn it on. Or it could be on. At least with the bedroom. I think I'm right on this one. But it, or. Well, we leave the hallway light on. Or it could be and on. And you're not in the hallway. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, um, uh, especially. Uh, and this may be true actually more so for um, if you, um, for the small collection of folks who don't normally have a visually impaired person in the house, but is having one come visit. In that case, especially, leave all the friggin' lights on. Yeah. Um, because uh, in your scenario that you mentioned about the bedroom light, I know where that switch is. Right. Um, so I can turn it on, you know, if I want to. And easily before you go in the room. So it's not. It's not like you have to stumble through a dark room to turn the light on. Right. Um, but if you don't know where that switch is, like in a stranger's house or someone you're visiting, then that's a whole nother ball of wax. Right. Uh, so just generally in that case, leave the lights on. Um, you know, if you need to ask them for the $3 that it's going to cost to light the house that day, then they'll give you the $3. <laughs> you know, don't because that, that, that's, that's super yes. uncool. Yeah. But like, uh, it's totally worth just leaving, you know, Leaving every light in the house on. Um, in a similar vein, and this applies both to the home um, and very much to the office. And it has taken me a year to train everybody in the office. And they've all figured it out the same way. Is um, when you're done with your chair, 
push your chair into the table or desk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not expecting your chair to be out. Um, and everyone uh, has learned to do that by virtue of me slamming into a chair that was not supposed to be, that was not where it was supposed to be, and almost severely hurting myself. Oh. Um, which I have done, I'd say about 11 times to match the 11 people who are in my office. Uh, so now nobody does that. Now every, and like, especially for the folks in my, like, they'll push other people's chairs in, like, whenever, you know, um, uh, they do frequently point out that, like, they are, they were never aware of how dark someplace is or how many, like, random things there were until they, like, met me and experienced what I, you know, kind of go through. And then um, they, like, process places by, like, oh, this would be the worst for him. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but, yeah, like, whether it be at a kitchen table or in an office environment, push your chair in uh, because uh, cause it's below the line. It's, like, below the where I can see line. So mm. I will just assume it's not there. My brain will play that evil trick where it fills in empty floor there. Um, and then I, then I fall, uh, and hurt yourself and hurt, and hurt myself. Um, we're about halfway through. Do you have any questions that you, or things that you want to point out that I may have forgotten? Um, hmm. well, I think, um, I see on your list, you have travel coming up. Yes. <clears throat> so like, that's probably part of it, but I think, um, one of the, which might come up on this. So one of the things that you just mentioned with the darkness and going into places, that's something that I think about a lot too. Like whenever, especially whether or not I'm with you, if I go into a restaurant or a bar or any kind of place that's not home and I'm like, Oh, it's really dark in here. Dustin would have a hard time. So I always try to look for the bright spots or I look for like, like smooth flooring for you or something. Mm. And I think, um, that's something else to, to keep in mind too, especially if it's dark, just to wait for you at the door. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that have been spending a lot of time with you, whether it's your coworkers or your friends or me, like we do that. We'll wait for you and take your hand or take your elbow or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's a question. Okay. That's a question. Do you, sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking out loud. <clears throat> I hold your hand and you were saying that other people, you want them to walk like just a foot in front of you, but to your left. At one point though, you did hold somebody else's hand. And it was a gentleman. Yes, it, it depends on the level of danger at the time. When I'm referencing, like, walk one foot ahead of me in that kind of way, that assumes that, like, um, that it's standard scenario, you know, that it's just we're walking daylight. down the street, it's daylight, or, you know, uh, it's dark, but I'm, I'm seemingly doing fine. Uh, uh, if it's crowded or ridiculous or super dark, um, then I will, like... Uh, that I'll go for the elbow. Uh, okay. And generally, I have found that, um, and this is my own personal little, like, uh, you know, whatever weirdness, uncomfortableness with my own self or whatever. Um, if it's a girl, I usually am okay with it sort of being like where um, we go sort of like arm in arm kind mm-hmm. of thing or, yeah. or hand holding, and guys, I'll usually grab their elbow. So you'll grab their elbow? Yeah. Okay. Um, that way I have a little bit more control over. Like letting go if I if I'm like okay I got it now or whatever okay um, so yeah so uh, there's definitely scenarios where um, I I need to physically touch the other person because it's such a crowded situation yeah well I remember that one time that I was thinking of it was a very dark block that had was very narrow the the sidewalk was very narrow 
where the the steps from the buildings would come up pretty close to the edge of the sidewalk. And then you had all like trees and garbage cans and all that stuff. And it was super dark and not well lit. And um, I think it's important that you're able to do that. Do you prefer for me, like when I do it, do you prefer that I hold your hand or put my, because sometimes we could link arms as well. Um, either one, matter? either one is fine in okay. that, in that case. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we end up, uh, going with a hand holding when it's a little bit, uh, a little bit more freestyle, <laughs> Almost. you know, when like, you know, that you're just going to need to yank me one place or another mm-hmm. versus I think we end up getting like closer if it's, you know, danger at every foot okay. kind of situation. Gotcha. Um, cause the handholding is better for us moving at a normal speed. Right. And just being like, Hey, there's a bus stop there. Don't walk into it. Right. Um, you know, yank you back. Yeah. Uh, versus, you know, uh, <coughs> you know, versus a landmine situation. Mm. Uh, so cool. Anything else? No, I, that's all I have. Right okay. Now. Um, cool. Uh, so moving on to travel. Okay. Uh, and, uh, let me consult my list. Uh, I need a better system than this. Uh, um, uh, oh, uh, generally most of the time, um, like I I can get around on my own. Uh, I have the sort of, you know, I have the cane and the flashlight situation. I prefer not to use the flashlight when I can avoid using the flashlight. Um, but I will usually tell you if I really like need assistance. Um, the one thing that, um, uh, still sort of like gets me are curbs. Uh, and especially, I don't know if the, if this is the case in other places. Uh, and I'm glad it's the case in New York city, but it makes it more nervous, more nerve wracking is in, um, in the majority of curbs in, uh, in Manhattan, uh, they're, they're, uh, wheelchair accessible. Uh, so they tilt down into, you know, into the street, it's a ramp, um, which is fine if you're in a wheelchair or a fully sighted person, but if you have visual impairment, uh, sometimes the, the ramp, um, can mislead you about whether or not the curb is there and that you're going to fall off of it because the cane will like sort of dip down in a way that you don't necessarily notice and then you end up falling off the curb. Okay. Uh, so I've found that when people say curb, like a foot before the curb, um, then that really helps me know like, okay, like danger is right here. Uh, be extra careful because I didn't necessarily realize like exactly where it was going to be. Because a lot of times um, there's like a, you know, maybe like a six foot difference of like where it might be in relation to where you think it's going to be. And especially in the city now with all the... Um, uh, like uh street stuff that's going on where uh you know they're like they close down that part of the road and there's like a little there's construction and stuff like that yeah um you might not know where the curb is going to be so yelling that out uh is super helpful uh stairs are equally as douchey uh um and once you're on the stairs it's usually not that bad um because you most of the time stairs are just you just go like, I'm going to keep going. Uh, so the best way to help a person or help me, I found out, is um, letting me know when I'm on the landing. Yeah. Uh, so that I go like, okay, good. I'll, you know, uh, like, then I can kind of use the cane a little bit better 
to to help me figure out exactly where I'm going, but like just knowing that like okay, like um there isn't another step coming. There's like one step and then the landing, or just saying like you're on the landing, um, makes such a difference at night. Um, so that I know that like okay, I'm good. Um something as simple as like getting to the stop of the subway, top of the subway, and because half the time there's a step down and half the time there isn't. Mm-hmm. Um so I end up just sort of getting up there and panicking and going like, uh oh, like I could fall off, you know, and you're only going to fall like six inches, but it. Oh, it's no people have broken their hip for less than that. So yeah, uh, so that sort of information is super helpful. Um, uh, getting on the subway, actually, uh, or when when you're on the subway, um, if there isn't a chair or place to sit, uh, and the option is available to you, um, uh, and I know this is probably true for anybody, but I'm going to say it even more so. Um, let me have the wall. Uh, or what, you know, uh, because then that's like one of four directions I don't need to panic about. Right. Because uh, in a crowded subway situation, um, you, you know, there's danger at basically every corner. Um, so if if you have the wall, at the very least, you know that like, okay, I will push all of my body into this wall and know that like I should be fine. Um, and then let's say you're on a non-crowded train. Um, given the option, um, unless it's you, uh, specifically meaning my wife, um, uh, don't sit next to me, sit a seat over. Um, because if I'm going to try and have a conversation with you, you will be too close to me if you're sitting right next to me. Um, so the whole time in my brain, I'll be screaming like, move away. Uh, <laughs> because I think you should also be comfortable saying that too mm-hmm. in the moment, you know? Yeah, it's usually with a person who I don't really know super well, though. So I don't want to, like, offend them by being like, you're too close to me. But um, but it makes it really hard to have a conversation because I'm able to see so little of them that, like, my brain is sort of in a, in a panic kind of mode. Uh, and in that similar vein, if we're having a conversation, um, be three feet away from me, even if it's a loud scenario. Uh Especially, actually, if it's a loud scenario, because then at least I can see your mouth. Um, but will you be able to hear them? Um, it, it, the combination of me trying to hear them and being able to see their mouth is greater than them being a little bit closer and me not being able to see their mouth. Hmm. People don't realize how much they actually use that. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking of dark situations, because usually when something is crowded and dark and loud, then... Yeah, then you want a person relatively up close to you. Yeah, um, I guess it really kind of depends on the situation. Uh, But generally, if it's like a a normal semi-well-lit situation, I prefer, I I generally always prefer the person to stay at least three feet away from me so that I can at least see their whole head at the same time. Uh, That makes it a lot more comfortable than if I'm having to like process um, eyes and then mouth and eyes and then mouth, you know, kind of situation. Um, Right. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like next time you're, next time you're having a conversation with someone in a wild place, um, try looking away from them altogether, uh, and notice the effect that that has, you know, like if you're at a bar, you're sitting across from somebody at a wild bar. Um, I don't think most people realize how frequently they're actually looking at the mouth of the person that, um, they're talking to. Cause the minute you just sort of like 
look at the table, you realize that you only process like you only process like two thirds of what they're saying. Uh, so it's really important to be able to do that because it like it fills in just enough information. Right. Uh, I've actually done that before. I've noticed. I was like, I have to look at your mouth. Cause yeah. I can't quite hear what you're saying. Yeah. And if a person's like too close, then it makes it uh, almost impossible to really be able to do that without it like being all consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is another one that I think we probably talked about, but uh, uh, the airport. The airport is um, the concept of getting on the plane now without pre-boarding is about like the worst idea in the world to me. <laughs> Because uh, an airplane is the most crowded place you will ever be. Uh, and it's just chaos. It's a bunch of people who don't want to be there, who just sort of hate uh, that they're going to wherever they're going, unless you're going to like on vacation, which most of the time you're not. Uh, well, I think even if you are happy about where you're going, a lot of people are miserable while they're traveling. Yeah. Um, and they're so focused on like their own personal misery that they're not, they're not really paying attention to others. Um, so the greatest thing that the airline industry ever did was, was pre-boarding, where they said, like, hey, you need more time. Why don't you get on the plane ahead of all these other people? Um, and it changed my life uh, when I was able to do that. Um, but the people who I'm traveling with have a habit of being like, oh, pre-boarding is going to be in about seven minutes. Great. Um, let me go get a cookie. Um, and that seven minutes... Um, Put a camera on me because you will see a human being deteriorate from a normal human being to just a sob of awfulness. Uh, because all that my brain is doing is saying, come back because I'm going to miss pre-boarding. Come back because I'm going to miss pre-boarding. Um, and they don't realize the impact that missing pre-boarding would have on me. Um, and if nothing else, just the fear that I might miss it is enough for me to like completely lose my mind. Why and can't I know you go on without them? Because out there they've left their stuff there. Okay. You know, like if it's one thing if you're like, I'm going to bring all my crap and I'll see you when I get there. But most of the time it's like, hey, I'm going to leave my carry on, um, you know, uh, like I'll be back. I'm going to go to the bathroom and get a pretzel. Um, and um, I've gotten to a point now where I just tell people like, no. <laughs> or take your stuff with yeah, you. Yeah, take your stuff with you. Um, uh, but I'm not going to watch it. Like, not to be a jerk, but as soon as that pre-boarding comes, like, I'm getting on. And uh, depending on the situation, I will I will go over to the gate 10 minutes before I know pre-boarding is going to happen just to avoid that situation altogether. Uh, um, so I guess my, my point is that if you are a person who's traveling with somebody like that, um, know that that 10 minutes before pre-boarding is going to happen is real sacred. Um and don't give them a responsibility like watching your stuff. Uh, because uh, if they're anything like me, that period of time like, it is just filled with like, okay, do I have everything that I need to get on? Like, it's a very selfish time. Okay. Um, and you saw what happened to me. I uh, did. I saw time. you in the sobbing mess. Yes. Um, uh, and I guess the last thing was, is um, kids and dogs. Um. I appreciate both of them, uh, and I'm terrified of both of them. Uh, and um, I don't think people realize, be- that, and the reason being that they are little and not paying attention to you because uh, in dogs' cases, they're just 
dogs, uh, and little kids' cases, they're little kids who are playing, and they're like, look, I'm going to try and hurt myself, and you are responsible for keeping me from doing it. That's the policy that we've established. Um, but uh, in the case of someone like myself, I can't keep you from hurting yourself. I can barely keep me from hurting myself. Uh, so don't put me in charge of your safety, because that won't work. Um, and And I think because we had such... Because we had established that so much as, uh, you know, as a system in place that like, um, that like when people come over with their kids or when you go to some places, you know, with their kids or they have a dog or whatever, um, they just let them roam free, you know, uh, and that like ruins it for me wherever I am. Um, because now, um, think of it this way, like you went to somebody's house and they had a little monkey with a knife (laughs) you know and that little monkey with a knife like was mad at you um like could you enjoy that dinner party i don't feel as though this is a direct correlation it is because the kids and dogs are not mad at you no and they don't have knives right but danger danger is possible in that scenario okay but malintent is a huge difference i think it is it is but the point is that like you know the danger is possible you know you like you know that something bad could happen so even in the nicest of dinner party scenarios you're keeping your eye out for monkey with a knife <laughs> right aka children and dogs AKA children and dogs yes and maybe uh, cats yes uh so um I, I frequently see a scenario where, uh, like, because the parents think that you can, um, that it's a safe scenario, they will let their kid roam free. Or they will, like, have their dog run all around the apartment. And it's their place, you know? Or even if they come to your place, you know? Um, so are you saying they should keep them caged up or something? I'm saying if it's a dog, put the dog in a different room. Like you know, lock the dog away or something. And if it's a kid, know that the scenario that you know that in this scenario, um, to some degree, you are more responsible for your child's presence and location than you typically are. You know, like a lot of times they'll vaguely keep an eye, people will vaguely keep an eye on their kid. Uh, (laughs) And, and I'm saying is like, be more aware Um, because it's hard for me to be aware. And if I know that you're being highly conscious of it, then I will be able to relax a lot more and, you know, like, look, it, it's my own thing. So you're going to like, it is what it is. But I'm saying if you're, if you're trying to help me, um, know that like always sort of know where your kid is in relation to where I am, uh, mm-hmm. and give me a warning or, or move the kid out of the way in a scenario where there is potentially danger, you know, um, okay. we, we talked about it before, but there was a time when a, a friend, uh, had come and had a you know a small child I think he was like one, and he was crawling around. He was crawling around, and it just by the sheer luck, I didn't punt him across the room, and I wouldn't have intended to, but he was in part of that like sacred path space. Um, I assumed that he was with his parents uh, because he was one, um, and I walked by and I would have like potentially hurt him very badly, um, and it wouldn't have been the parents' fault. Uh, and it wouldn't have been my fault. Uh, it would have been a series of unfortunate events that led to it. But 
um, the fact that I saw it almost happen made it so that like every time I saw a kid of that age going forward, um, it automatically put me into panic mode of just like I like I need to find a location in this in this apartment or in this house or whatever and stick to it and not move because as long as I don't do that, I'll be okay. Right. So in this scenario, it assumes that the monkey with the knife has very poor eyesight and can only see you if you move. Um, it all okay. makes sense. Sure. So you basically, know. well, basically what you're saying is either lock up your kids and dogs or lock you up. Yes. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I guess the point is like, be more careful if you have, uh, be more aware kids. of that. Yes. Um, so that's basically the list of, uh, of things that I, that I have to, uh, to make it easier for a person with a visual impairment if they are in your life. What if we put a bell on the kids or the dogs? Would that help? It could. Uh, I think it'd probably be easier with a dog. I think a little kid would probably be trained, it would train itself to, uh, to not always make it a ton of noise when it's crawling around. Whereas a dog just like, it's going to make noise. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but right. try it. Okay. Um, the point being like, it's scary. Yeah. Just be aware of that. Uh, Okay. Anything else? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, this end. Um, yeah. But if you guys uh, uh, have anything that you're thinking of, uh, leave, leave a note in the comments of this episode. And, uh, and we'll talk about that, too. Because I'm sure there, there are a billion other things that would make life a little bit easier for people. Um, and sharing those things is always nice. And just information that you get out there um, right. that people might not always necessarily realize. Yeah, cool. I think that sounds great. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.